Welcome to Good Nature, a show about good people doing good things despite unique challenges like chronic illness, life-changing injuries, and disabilities. My name's Tony, and I'm a digital media professional with a rare muscle disease called LGMD2I. This episode, I welcome fellow chronic condition haver, podcasting and interneting professional, and friend, Jordan Adika. Unlike most episodes, I decided Jordan should host this one and ask me a few questions to go in tandem with the piece also releasing today on Adidas's Game Plan A blog that I wrote about my past year in launching this very show. Jordan does such a great job that I apologize in advance for future episodes that he does not host. Here's Jordan. Okay, fully braced. I'm wearing uh, multiple carb seats belts. Excellent. So even though... I'm handing you the keys to this episode. Uh, I do mm-hmm. have a regular job to do here. Um, I introduced you at the top of the show. This is Jordan. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're all about? Oh, sure. Oh, wow. Uh, what am I all about? What is every single fact about me? What is the meaning of Jordan? Yeah. I, hi, I'm Jordan. Jordan Adika, A-D-I-K-A. Uh, and I, I'm, a, I'm a podcast lad. And a, a general, uh, I'm a content vampire. I'm just around. You can't kill me. I'm on things from time to time. Uh, and Tony invited me along because we've known each other for quite a while now. That's actually quite weird to think about. We have. And it's weird because we, I guess we worked together a little bit in the, and this is in like 2015. And yeah. it was in the way kind of like everyone works together now. We only knew each other in like the Google Meet box um, because we were... <laughs> yeah. Of course, across the pond, as they say, I was here in Los Angeles. We eventually met IRL in San Francisco, and I was absolutely shocked by how tall you are. Yeah, that's the first thing that stuck out. Yeah, and it's really hard to, I guess, translate that to this audio format, but people at home know that this man is tall. Um, And like you said, you're a podcasting veteran, and the reason I asked you here today is one... What this show is, is basically I have creative uh, entertainment, even, you know, sports, music professionals, uh, entrepreneurs, basically people doing, quote unquote, cool, impressive things, you know, also dealing with chronic conditions, disability, etc. And this project kind of came out of a, a couple years ago. I, for whatever reason, thought this would work and it did. I reached out to some people at adidas um their team in germany runs a blog called game plan a and it's kind of like the intersection of what we were talking about like you know being a creative professional and everything and how that inters intersects with sport in a way and i kind of thought it would make sense to do something with like well hey what about when you factor in challenges like disability and chronic condition and to my surprise and to my glee they actually got back to me and like hey this is valuable uh do you want to come on and talk about this so I've been working with them for a couple of years, writing these pieces, and eventually I got to s- spin it off into my own podcast, which is this show. Um, it's completely unrelated to that project, but this specific episode is very much related to that project. Around the time of this episode releasing, there will also be the latest piece I'll do with the Adidas Game Plan A team. And I wanted to, I guess, share with you, my friend, not only the daunting task of coming on yet another podcast, but I also wanted you to host and ask me some questions. And, you know, I shared the piece with you. You know my story pretty well, and you're here, so let's talk. Yeah, you, you're you not at all concerned that maybe I do such a great job of hosting that it's my show now? 
I'm a hundred percent concerned about that. Yes, but okay, brilliant. It well, could be a good problem to have. Uh, well, actually, so you mentioned that we've known each other a long time, and we've we know a fair about a fair bit about each other's position with our conditions and and the narrative there, but. I, we haven't really caught up on it lately i suppose for people that have stayed up to date or just have like a really broad conceptual understanding of it where would you say you're at right now with your condition be it in sort of a health and recovery state or or maybe just in an emotional which has your relationship with your condition i guess is another question sure yeah that's a great question because it's something i kind of have to check in with myself every day in a way um i'm happy to say I don't think, you know, especially with being indoors so much and like not getting the physical challenge of just being out in the world as much as I had to kind of suck it up and do before, I haven't gotten worse, which is great. Like literally just yesterday, um, my wife and I were out in Pasadena with our dog and I was just able to get, you know, I use a walker most of the time. I think I did last time, you know, we saw each other IRL as well. So it hasn't progressed past that, which is equally great. And also like it keeps me on high alert because I don't want to do anything to mess that up. Um, So it's a lot of maintenance in terms of like, I thankfully have figured out a good, not so much physical therapy routine, because unfortunately with, something like I'm going through physical therapy for me, a lot of time was just like, uh, do this stretch. I think, you know, in terms of working (laughs) with an actual professional physical therapist, you know, God bless them, but they just, they don't know because like, it's, it's such a hyper specific type of challenge. Um, but what I've figured out on my own is pretty much like I got this thing it's like a little stationary bike that's just the pedals in a way. And it is a hundred percent for, for the elderly. Um, it's, it's called a QB, not to be confused with Quibi, the short lived, uh, you know, micro content platform. Oh my God, did something happen? Yeah. We'll talk about that. I'll, I'll catch you up on Quibi. It's <laughs> on, <your>, on your <laughs> other show about uh, defunct streaming platforms. Exactly. Um, but yeah, this thing's been great. Uh, and it's just, it's about at this point, keeping what still works, which thankfully is enough for a lot of things, uh, keep that still working. And, you know, like I kind of talk about a little bit in this piece and I've, I've told you about, there are some promising possible treatments and even cures on the horizon, which is great. Has that changed your mindset around how do you, what's, I know sometimes it can be difficult to think long-term, right? Because every step along the way it's you know you're thankful if things don't escalate and you're you have to reconcile it if it does but it's with a condition like yours or really any kind of chronic condition that can escalate you just sort of have to say well right now it's at a place where i can handle it and here are the actions i'm going to take as a result or this just happened and here's the way i need to react to it etc cetera, etc cetera. but with kind of a it sounds soft soft optimistic option on the horizon has that changed uh, do you fantasize about a different kind of future or do you make different kind of plans? Oh yeah. I mean, everything you mentioned pretty much like there's the, Hey, I can get this much out of today and that's great. I didn't really have that mentality 
two years ago. It was very much like, I'm very scared about what my body won't let me do right now. And I'll wait until a cure or a treatment comes. And then I'll start thinking about enjoying myself more. That's a tough way to live in general, but it's also excusable at times. So basically right now I'm in this world mentally where I feel okay with the controllables every day. I still get frustrated because of course you almost feel a little guilty too at times when it's just like, well, why can't I just accept this? Tons of people have to accept something far more challenging than what I'm dealing with. So you feel a little selfish to be like, no, I want to go run around my block. Like, why can't I do that? That's not fair. So it's a balancing act, but for the most part, I'm hopeful across the boards, if that makes sense. And it's not every day, but for the most part, I, I can channel a version of that where I'm okay with a lot of the things I can control every day. And if you know the future isn't much more challenging than this, I think I'm better prepared to deal with that. But I'm also, I let those thoughts creep in where it's just like, whoa, in two years, I could feel like I did eight years ago, but with my brain now, and maybe yeah. that's a really good thing, you know? And having, over, well, I, I suppose overcome is a weird phrase to use, but uh, having lived with and processed the experience to have all of that wisdom and that, that backing and the and the life that's come out of it, you know, your, your, your career focus and content focus and the things that you prioritize have changed as a result. But now you could be in a place where the actual day-to-day struggle is, is I won't say gone. I don't know what the, how much recovery is expected from... What, what is the treatment exactly, roughly? So basically, the biggest thing, not even on the horizon, like technically it's here for similar conditions to LGMD2I. It's already here for other versions of limb girdle muscular dystrophy and other genetic dis- diseases, but there's actual gene therapies, which it's crazy because this is probably one of the biggest medical breakthroughs of our lifetime at least so far, they literally go in and it's almost like opening Pro Tools and, you know, editing a track. You're opening your, it's delivered like a vaccine, but it's reprogramming your DNA and it's super wild. And it, it intend, its intent is to get rid of the disease, like in your genetic makeup. It's wild. And that exists. Yeah. It's literally, wow. I Whenever you hear about the kind of treatments, it always feels like everybody's so quick to add the addendum of, it's not a cure, you know? That's always the phrasing, is solid treatments, great steps forward. It's not a cure, like cure, almost as if you don't want to apply the term sure. cure because it could set high expectations. But that sounds kind of like a cure. Am I crazy? No, I, it's just to be determined, I think, how much, because this is a degenerative condition, how much can be regained but again, to complement it in theory, you know, there are things like, you know, I've, I've done some stem cell treatments and it helps a little bit. It's just the fact that since you still have the disease, it breaks down those minor improvements. So in theory, you know, gene therapy could just stop the progression, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, or it could put you in position to actually be able to rebuild 
muscle and strength and however that applies to every other genetic disease they're they're working on this for i should also add there's another treatment option that i'm actually in the midst of a clinical trial for now um, and i think it i'd start being able to get the treatment as soon as this summer but it's literally just a sugar molecule um, that's i think derived from like a weightlifting supplement that with my specific form of lgmd it just replaces a missing sugar or protein. Uh, don't quote me on that because I'm I'm not a scientist. No, Tony uh, wants to make it really that. clear that he's a medical professional and you yeah. should take direct advice if your doctor doesn't offer you this process and tell them they're a hack. Yeah, and if if you are just looking to get really jacked, um, start taking <laughs> this. Uh, no, but it, it, so on one, it's funny to me because on one end, it is this gene therapy, which is like the most... Jurassic Park uh, medical breakthrough of our lifetime. And then the other thing, it's just like a supplement that might dramatically improve the symptoms of this. So yeah, some uh, B12 drops under your tongue. Yeah, it could be it could be that simple. So that's exciting for sure. That's really cool. Has that I mean, we've talked in the past funnily enough about like, just the emotional load of having to keep the the, the plate of having a condition spinning it's a non-optional yeah. plate it's just always there you're reminded of it if you you take a bad step for example in, in in our cases or when you see somebody sprinting around and you're like oh well okay you know that's not um something that either of us have really had the option to do at least for the last several yeah. years i wonder if even with really really great recovery it feels like the psychological recovery could still take a while, right? Reviewing the fact that you don't need to feel frustrated when you see somebody running through the park or, or you don't need to feel that same pang. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and something a couple years ago, I think I struggled with more. I have this like really vivid memory that I, th I think maybe I've written about or told you about before where I went to UCLA. There's like a really good... Um, degenerative muscle neurologist, specialist, what have you, um, that I went to see. And it was pretty grim. Like it was kind of like a boot camp for having, you know, a, a muscle disorder where it's just really a lot of like really tough love and like a lot of really like poor bedside manner. And I left that and I was like driving through, I think, uh, West Hollywood afterwards, like up Santa Monica Boulevard, which as you know, is just like, sprinkled with the most beautiful people that go through life, probably not thinking about anything about how great and capable and beautiful they are. <laughs> sure, yeah. So it was, it was exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, I'm so mad at these people for no reason. I would suggest, and this isn't always easy because people will, of course, even when they don't mean to, people are going to trigger you into resenting them uh, regardless but I would suggest trying to avoid that because I know it, it's really helped me in a way. But to your point, if I woke up tomorrow and just had all the ability back I even had 10 years ago, yeah, there's a lot to unpack mentally with that. And I'm fully prepared to realize that if I'm fortunate enough to have that, it's going to be an adjustment because like, I've, I've talked to my wife and I've talked to friends about this. Where it's almost like I could be like, you remember Rob Lowe's character on Parks and Recreation? Yeah. How he was, I think he had overcome like a, like beat cancer or something like that. So he was just like the most go, go, go 
like obnoxiously positive and always super physically active. And of course he's Rob Lowe, um, which probably helped as well. But <laughs> yeah, I could... That's unfortunately not a treatment we have access to. Yeah, yet. It's funny because not to get too off the question, but the gene therapy concern, it's also, uh, you know, gene editing is part of it where like, if you, you can be tested, you have a child tested before they're born for these diseases and corrected, of course. So like I said, it's like the Pro Tools thing where you could just go in and change the gene sequence and be like, okay, the kid's going to be fine in quotes. The other side of that and the, what, the reason, of course, people, especially Americans are so like, they have to find something wrong with this thing that like, in a way my life depends on and many others life depends yeah. on. So the, the argument, of course, is like, well, what's going to stop people from just, you know, creating a, a bunch of Serena Williams or Tom Brady's because you can just do that. You could just go in and make their genes perfect. Um, one, that sounds kind of awesome. But yeah. two, it's like, can we please not worry about this before it helps people? Um, yeah. What's the So what's the proposed solution? Don't do it. <laughs> I think what we're are we going to do? Oh, I guess nothing ever. Yeah, exactly. I think people just realize that maybe sports and wars are going to be cooler than we've ever seen them be before. <laughs> yeah, all guns, no more guns, hand-to-hand only. Yeah, just really dangerous, amazing humans. Just George St. Pierre's and John Cena's only, please. But yeah, basically, I think I, I think it's going to be a lot of talk and like mental therapy. Like, should that be an opportunity to, I've already had this conversation with a mental health professional. It's like, you know, if, if I get to get better in quotes, how do, how do you do that without becoming some, this like monstrous version of yourself? And I don't think that will happen. Like, I think I'm, I'm old enough. I've lived enough life and I haven't struggled with this my whole life. So I wasn't a bad person before this. I, th- I think I'll be pretty good. We'll see. Hold me to that. Uh, I'll do my best, mate. But I mean, if I also am able to get a treatment, we can just both become completely insufferable. Yeah, that's fine. Or yeah, we could finally head up a professional sports franchise and and be you know marquee athletes. Yeah. What was the, what was the uh, XFL? Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like like we said, you're tall. I would love for us to land on the same NBA team and just you know toss dimes to you in the paint. It is a little unfair that apparently, apparently, this is the kind of doubles. This is it's political correctness gone mad, Tony. I can't play on the with the Clippers because I'm not good at basketball. Well, we'll see. How's that you fair? Know, we just rewrite your gene sequence, and uh, I think that could that could definitely change because you have the height. <laughs> That's true, Coach. Put me in, Coach. I I, I own my own basketball. <laughs> Uh, there's a term that I learned a couple of days ago, actually, because you mentioned like the, oh, other people have it worse. Therefore, I have to like compress down any feeling that I'm having. Right. My girlfriend mentioned a term to me, toxic positivity. Yeah. Toxic positivity. Oh, yeah. Um, which is basically just like over generalizing, uh, happy or joyful things uh, and applying them to distressing or painful things. So. Uh, it's like it, it often manifests as giving somebody advice instead of coaching or encouragement, right? It's like, hey, Tony, how are you doing? You say, not great. Here are the reasons why and here are the things that are difficult. And instead of, it's not something I can relate to. So instead of just saying, wow, sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk about it a little more? How can I support you? That kind of thing. Or, or, or helping them talk through a, the problem overall. 
instead what a lot of people will do for their own mental well-being in part to feel like they have contributed is say oh well you know it's hey it's only temporary you know or yeah yeah well, look at but look at all these other things going on and, and, and the issue with that is that all you're really doing is postponing the dealing with the issue even if it works for a second even if you're able to go like yeah you know what i do i am wearing some pretty nice kicks today all, all you're doing is then putting on your gcal for a month from now to break down about it then you know there's no it's not a treatment but i think i, I mentioned this because i think you could struggle maybe with the inverse of that where uh which is, is a little what you're talking about with the, the psychological element where you'd have to uh, <laughs> a acknowledge the good things that are happening post-treatment and not panic when you roll your ankle for example you know and, and think that you oh, can yeah. progress really really quickly yeah i mean i think to that point that the jury is out for any of these conditions with potential treatments like what you know like you said cure and effective what that will mean uh but yeah it certainly would take some some mental reprogramming and i, I think it's just I got to keep in mind one, I should feel pretty fortunate to be not satisfied in any way, but at peace with the things I can control in a way. And to have a, you know, plan to navigate this should best case scenario be, it just doesn't get better or it doesn't get worse. I'm sorry. Um, but at the same time, you know, to the point about the toxic positivity, I haven't heard that as much in a while. And maybe that's because I don't, I haven't, you know, seen, I haven't met a lot of new people in person as most haven't in about a year now, but it happened a lot in the past. Even when I first would use like a cane, I, I probably put too much pressure on myself to like make everyone feel comfortable with me if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's when you get what you were talking about, where it's just like, well, you're doing a great job with this. And like, sometimes it is just nice to have somebody like, man, that sucks. Let's talk about it. Yeah. It's like an, it's almost like an acknowledgement of the, accom uh, the accomplishment. Like, wow. It's a big deal that you're able to do it. Cause clearly it's not easy. And here's me acknowledging that it's, it's not easy. Right. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times people, I don't want to speak broadly, but yeah, it can be helpful for somebody to acknowledge it. It's not always the most comfortable thing for somebody to pretend it isn't there at all. That's not necessarily helpful, but people in general, I think when they see somebody struggle, the thing that they want to do more than anything else is shift focus, right? They want the person to be able to prioritize, the again, the good things around them. And that's hard to do, especially if it's a, per a person you just met by acknowledging things that are difficult. It's also a yeah, tall order. Absolutely. I don't want to put pressure on on the everyday person to ask a stranger about their condition because not everybody does want to talk about it or is, you know, wants to be reminded at it while they're at a game. Uh, yeah, I think my favorite interactions like that I, I've mentioned on here is I definitely had someone come up to me in the airport in Chicago, like an older guy that was just like, "Hey, what's wrong with you?" <laughs> like the most blunt, but it was kind of the easiest way to. I could have very easily been like, like, get away from me. Like, please, like, why would you do that? His wife was mortified. Um, but it was a really oddly easy conversation to have because it was like, one, this is going to prepare me to explain it to someone I actually care about, if that makes sense. 
And two, it was just so brash. That it was like, well, if I can deal with this guy, I can probably deal with just about anything someone throws my way. Yeah. Maybe he was just uh, an inquiring geneticist. Oh, no, I, I'm fairly you? certain that, that was not the case at all. LGMD2I? Yeah, I mean, that would have been like, whoa, yeah, actually. That, yeah, of course, hell? does not happen, unfortunately. That's amazing. But that's Who part of what, yeah, that's part of what doing a show like this is, is like a lot of these conditions people have never heard of before. So if a couple people happen upon an episode of this about something they have heard of and then learn about another condition, then that probably in the long run helps people to some degree. Is there a, like, uh, do you meet a lot of people, well, not lately, but if, do you meet a lot of people through what you do now? Which, first of all, congratulations, you've been, it's been a priority of yours to make this, like, the discussion of chronic conditions and the heightening of awareness your main focus for basically as long as I've known you, right? Yeah, maybe, I'd say there was probably a year of us knowing each other, in quotes, where I would literally do anything to avoid talking about it, because... I got diagnosed with this probably a month or two before we met in San Francisco, which is oh, wild right. to think about. That but yeah, like, you're correct. Yeah, like late 2016. Damn, that's surreal. And, and, and oddly enough, it's not been that long. I know. I know. Yeah. It feels really dominant, right? Like it becomes front of your mind so much so that it's not like when you live in an apartment for like two years and you're like, wow, yeah. the, the memories I've had here. And it's like a grain of sand. Like <laughs> it's not yeah. a lot of your life. Mm. You're still in LA, right? Yes. Does it help at all to have to be in a city that at least has a lot of access, not maybe at the moment, but increasingly a lot of access to medical professionals and, and I'm guessing the latest events and upgrades? You don't have to do a lot of travel for medical purposes? For sure. Um, specifically, well, one, the weather when you have a chronic muscle oh, yeah. condition. A lot of people with my specific form of LGMD, like myself, come from the Midwest. A lot of them have stayed in in places like Minnesota and, you know, upper Michigan and stuff where it is so cold and brutal. And I think of like the days in Los Angeles where it gets below 60 and how my body even reacts to that. And I have no idea how they do that. So, yes, it's it's helpful from that. But to your point. I, I've mentioned this before, I think, on here that it's a it's such a new city that everything is more likely to be up to code. Um, it's not like going like New York City or even like Philadelphia. A lot of like the older cities, there's a lot of just like, eh, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So whether it's intentional or not, like LA is a more accessible city. And yeah, it, it's really helpful. The clinical trial I'm in is out of uh, UC Irvine. So, oh, great. yeah, it's, you know, just a trip down the five. Uh, Disneyland's been closed, um, so there's no traffic in the way there. I don't and, know, mate, but there's also no celebratory Disneyland trip on the way back. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I don't identify as a Disney adult, but no, <laughs> no shade to those who do. Um, You're not that old? I'm that old. I could be a Disney adult. I was a Nickelodeon kid, though, and I will Ooh. always, that will be the flag that I fly. That's Funnily enough, that's actually one of the, I think sometimes people without conditions, or, or, or at least that don't publicly suffer from a chronic condition that really limits their activity, they will feel very self-conscious about, say, uh, assisted walking, or they'll feel very self-conscious about 
persisting too much or say like you know inviting somebody along to hey you want to play a, a pickup game this weekend is like you know they're going to be tactful about that but i think often yeah. people will forget and i imagine this is reflecting your experience people will forget about the small minutia of what a a, a, a a tissue or ligament or chronic pain disease will bring with it a la my friends have suggested we go to to disneyland now and then i don't know if i can stand around that long Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if I can be walking around a park for more than an hour or two. I, I, that's going to be, I'm going to lose a couple of days afterwards to it, you know? And that's yeah, a it's, hard thing to communicate sometimes. It is. And it's a delicate balance in your own head too, because you have to be like, you have to, you're going to want to be invited to stuff, but you're also not going to want to have to explain why you can't. And then, you always kind of have the struggle as well of like, well, if I keep saying no to stuff, yeah. eventually people are just going to stop inviting me. And for a while I thought that was happening, but then I realized it was just that myself and my friends were hitting our mid thirties and people just stopped doing stuff <laughs> as much <laughs> yeah. as they did before. Uh, the seasonal stuff also. Yeah. I mean, much love to people that live in ultra cold areas in the, in the States as well, since to get treatment, you're going to be traveling pretty far, I would guess. Uh, yeah a lot of cases shout out to them too because you know one of the biggest issues with any chronic disease regardless of what it is is the depression and overwhelm it can come with and if you're in a if there's very little sunlight or very little warmth for extended periods of time it's going to be really hard to motivate yourself to get up do physio do the research just get out of the house it's only going to make that harder so you know love and care to people that are going through that yeah at this point the most useful thing Facebook does for me is that I, I get a glimpse into the world of a lot of like the other patients dealing with this and how they're approaching their days. And it helps me puts things in perspective where it's like, okay, if they're able to pull this off, I can to some degree too, with also being like, Hey, we all have gotten to a pretty good place of knowing when to say when and when to give yourself a break. Yeah. What's changed, I guess, since we last talked about your condition? It's been what? It sounds like not much, which is good. But I mean, the last time we kind of went over it, what would have been 2019, mid mid to late yeah. 2019? You know, the thankfully, like I said, the mobility challenges have not gotten much worse. Arguably, overall, it's it's been better. It's been wild because one of the things kind of talked about in this this piece that that I wrote is how there's so many negatives, of course, like a worldwide pandemic is a horrible thing to have happened. But like the little nuggets of good that have come out of it is there's just things that made my life easier. And at times I can feel kind of selfish when it's like, you know, I, I split my time working from home and going to an office before because of the condition, because wasn't good for my like all the up and downs like hey let's grab this conference room like there's so you i'm sure this is triggering to hear a little bit when you recall the uh the startup life and what being in the office constituted and how it is like wildly ableist in every like possible way uh the fact that that stopped was so good for my body and my brain because it wasn't like oh so and so wants to you know, do a coffee meeting across town and just like, okay, got to, you know, look into the parking and, you know, make sure 
all that stuff stopped. And that, you know, was really hard for a lot of people. So I almost felt bad for a while. Like in the back of my mind, you're celebrating a little bit like, oh my God, like my day to day is so much easier right now. But then you realize the people mostly that were upset about it really haven't had to deal with any extreme circumstances for the most part. And you don't feel as bad about enjoying the small benefits that something like the the world kind of closing down brings to you. Well, I mean, you know, not to harp on it, but that almost feels a little bit like uh, toxic positivity sneaking in again, right? Where it's like, oh, man, or the inverse of it, where like, it's okay to celebrate the small benefits that come with with just because it causes pain doesn't mean it can't also come with with some opportunities. It's also probably helpful to spend a little bit of time being able to prioritize treatment, right? Obviously, that's a priority for you all the time. But I wonder how many people oh, have actually sure. identified chronic issues through this getting to just spend more time in their own headspace or be more aware of their own bodies for christ what uh creeping on 18 months i wonder how many people have suddenly realized there's something abnormal about it but in terms of like having the control i guess for myself to be able to figure out how to stay active in a safe way i'm super relieved that now that i am out and about a little more it's not terrifying and I probably, yeah, I feel about as good as I did physically the last time we saw each other. And mentally, it's almost night and day. Um, it's not to say that there aren't still really, really hard days. But yeah, I, I think that part's improved a lot, for That's sure. That's great, man. I know this isn't necessarily, you know, like a an advice show per se, but since this is the episode that probably a lot of people are hearing for the first time. Do you have any insight or advice for people that think they might have a condition to deal with or that do have a condition but aren't really sure how to uh, approach it in a productive or, or self-aware way, maybe put it on the back burner instead of attacking it head on and maybe want to try and be more proactive about it now? Do you have any hot tips, hot goss, tea to spill? Sure. That's a great question. I think Google with caution <laughs> but you know, start doing your deep dive because to, to take it way back, um, it's probably 2009 when I first started getting that feeling that you know something was up. But you know, being in college and in your 20s and whatnot, it was. I always compare it to during that same era when the check engine light would come on in your car in college. You just ignore it until it really gives you a reason not to. Try not to do that with your body <laughs> would be my suggestion. To be fair, nothing good or bad came from me putting it up. There's, there's been no treatment, so it wouldn't have mattered if the second I, I felt something was off in 2009, if I went and said, hey, what's up with me? And they couldn't fix it. I would have probably had this exact same trajectory and maybe enjoyed the ride a little less had I been like really diligent right out the gate. Yeah. But when you first start looking into it, take everything you read online with a grain of salt. Uh, even the first, you might have to see, I went through at least four doctors and specialists before I got to neurology at the Cleveland Clinic who were able to narrow it down to, this is probably limb girdle muscular dystrophy. It has many different subtypes. And I was told it would cost tens of thousands of dollars to get any more specific than that. Wow. Fast forward five years later, 
I was able to get diagnosed for free because in that time that had passed, a foundation called the Jane Foundation now exists to do DNA testing to define your subtype, which was huge. But, you know, it's it's going to be, it's the scariest thing you can do probably is when you feel like something's up and you start looking into it, like every step is going to be, it's probably going to be a, it could be a journey similar to mine. You know, I, they had to rule out ALS for me. Like I had a neurologist at one of the first hospitals I went to for it. That was just like, look, this could be really, really bad. Here's what we need to rule out. And you don't like ALS isn't something you necessarily need to do a deep Google on because you know, it's really scary and really bad. So yeah, Google with caution, talk to medical professionals and then find it. You know, it's never been easier to go and find your community of people that are dealing with something like this. And I was so resistant to that. I think you might be surprised to know, as you know, I'm, I'm a relatively social person. I like people. I like teams and communities. Um, but when I was first presented with this opportunity to join a Facebook group with all the other people that have my specific disease, I was so against it, partially probably because it involves spending more time on Facebook, but also it was just an admission. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like getting the, the stamp on you. Like you have this, you're one of these people. Um, most of those people are great. So that'll probably be the same for you. Don't be afraid to ask questions to the other people going through this. Cause that's really where you're going to get your best actionable real life information. Aside from the uh, the shock and maybe some of the biases you'll you'll feel when you find out, or really just the effort and the time that has to go in, no matter what it is, it's it's not it's not going to take no time. That's you know that's why I think sometimes it's so easy oh, to yeah. like this off because it, especially in the U.S., financially it costs us a ton to actually get done, or it can yeah. depending on what it is. But bear in mind that like you don't get to choose how to feel about something, but if you're able to approach it and process it well it's only going to make your life better there's no world yeah. where you learn what it is you get a term and then the symptoms increase because you officially have been branded with it it's the only reason to find out is to better understand it feel better about the hard days and potentially if it exists get treatment there is no special brand you get once you've been diagnosed or like oh no now i'm not allowed to go bowling like there's it, it doesn't come with with special rules, it's only right. good to learn more. Exactly. And, and let yourself have the days where it's just like, this sucks because it does. But as long as you have more days that are not like that than are, you're probably doing all right. You know, you're, you're putting in the work you can realistically put in and just got to hope science catches up to your efforts, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you know what? People, I think you, the proverbial you, uh, will, you might be surprised with how quickly people can get comfortable with the the idea once you really present it to them in, in clear terms. Sometimes if you're struggling with a symptom, one of the scariest things can just be saying no to invites or, or acting cautiously around certain stuff and not really knowing, knowing why and not being able to explain to your friends that you're struggling with something you can't properly articulate. Whereas if you give them a term they can Google or you just know a list of symptoms or the rationale behind it, it, it might do quite a bit for relationships that are maybe getting tense or 
you're disconnecting from people a little bit as you get scared, it might help. Plus, this last year, really, everyone has experienced trauma. It might not yeah. be trauma to the same level of severity, but it's going to let them empathize better than ever. And and reward yourself for knowing that you're playing on hard mode. I think that was the biggest change for me. It was just like yeah. every time I got more information, I was I was lucky in that when I was really young, I got diagnosed, at least on a basic level. But then as I got older, I started ignoring it and started distancing myself for exactly the reasons we're talking about. And then, uh, I don't know, 20, 2018, I finally leaned into it a little bit more or, or, or I started exercising again and, you know, trying to fight back against it. Done a terrible job lately, but in general, I try and prioritize about it. And uh, the moment I got more information and started explaining it to people in basic terms, I felt so much less self-conscious when yeah, people would invite me to a pickup game and I'd say no. And it would just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess it just doesn't want to hang out with us. It's like, no, I I would actually love to come and watch if that's okay. But it's... Do you feel like... It's going to feel weird that... that I'm sat there and not joining you, but I need to, as long as you understand why. Uh, what I actually, literally the pickup game example, uh, one of my friend's weddings, right around the time of when I, I started having noticeable symptoms there was a pickup basketball game which is incredible for a wedding um but i just <laughs> yeah. i just stood at the sideline ron's wedding right yeah absolutely um but i i just wore the the dress shirt and tie on the sidelines like i'll just be the coach um <laughs> but to that example when you do do you follow up that no with do you feel like you go into like a wick the wikipedia entry for the condition you have or do you just leave it at like no i insert you know broad generalization of why not or do you just say no i think yeah i mean if you're really comfortable with it saying no can can humanize it a little bit more right like nobody says no for no reason True, the, yeah. you know in general people don't say things for no reason so it's not your obligation to have to explain yourself just as it wouldn't be if you know you could say no with no extra context because you're hungover or you you bumped your shin earlier. It's all it it is a choice and it should be. And if you don't want to have to justify yourself, um, ideally you're not in a place where you're being pressured to. Uh, you you don't need to. I personally find there's a little bit of power in announcing it, if that's the right word. You know what I mean. Same yeah. goes for for mental health conditions and stuff. Uh, me and a lot of my friends talk about that. We talk a ton about it on the on the podcast and sometimes people will message me and be like how do you get comfortable talking about your mental health and i'm like well it's really not i can't talk for all situations but it was almost like uh like i broke through the illusion uh like yeah. I, I i turned around in the in the in the cave and saw that the shadows were being cast from behind me i just like left and went like oh you you can say these things out loud and people aren't going to do anything you can just say i can just go into a wendy's and just go like, i have bipolar too can I get fries? Like nobody's going to, there aren't special mental illness police that embarrass you if you admit that you have something going on. It's, right. They're not going to ask like, well, can we see your card? <laughs> Just to make sure. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, you have EDS? <laughs> Name five limbs. Yeah. So I guess in kind of wrapping up, uh, tell people about Sad Boys with a Z, I believe, correct? Sad Boys with a Z, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that is we didn't foresee that being an issue SEO wise. <laughs> Should have thought about that in advance. Oh, was that the, the Swedish? Isn't that a Swedish young hip hop collective? I tell you what, mate. We did not think that through at all. <laughs> we did not. We should. Oof, that 
became a real issue as far as URLs went. URLs, links, searches on, on Twitter and stuff. Thankfully, now we're starting to, to dominate them. We we utilized uh, Jarvis's shadow, shadow Twitter uh, contacts to snag ourselves sad boys with a Z just without sad boys pod. We were stuck with pod for a long time. Um, but yeah, you can find a sad boys with a Z on most social medias and things. And twitch.tv slash sadboyspod every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST. We do the show and it's myself and my friend Jarvis, as I say, just speaking candidly about about our experiences, just kind of a general hangout show, but we're very anti-toxic masculinity, talk about mental health uh, challenges. That's the that's the vibe. Sometimes we are sad, but most of the time it's just a bit of fun. And right now, <laughs> right now we're on a kick where every episode we talk about five minutes of Boss Baby. We watch five minutes at a time. Nice. Good movie, kind of, not really. Uh, my Venmo avatar, I guess, is a drawing of the Boss Baby. <laughs> and... It's needlessly confusing, but I'm probably never going to change it. Um, Wait, how did that find its way into your life? Uh, a friend's child drew it and it became like a, a very, you know, inside meme Twitter thing. And it just decided to make it my Venmo photo and it might be forever. Wait, is that what your pick on my phone is? I would not be surprised. Oh, on the, oh sorry. On in, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'll send you whatever the picture of you on my phone is because it doesn't make any sense to me. Excellent. Yeah, maybe I'll use it for the uh, image for this episode. Perfect. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's more or less everything from me. Is there a episode you'd point people to after this one, if this is their introductory one? Oh, man, I can't play favorites. Uh, I guess the first one with Wesley Hamilton's a pretty good starter. Uh, I You just told me about that. I'm going to go check it out myself and leave a scathing iTunes review if I'm underwhelmed. Yes, please do. I have way too many positive reviews. It's looking a little fishy, so oh. please be brutal. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to legitimize it. Everybody else, leave a positive one. Don't worry, I'll be in there to, to set the record straight. I appreciate that for sure. Got to get down to like 98, 97% for sure. So Jordan, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you did a great job. I probably will just hand this podcast over to you that sounds uh, great. to proceed in general. Um, and wrapping it up, where can people find you, your personal socials, and I guess just drop a pin geographically. Where's your physical location? Where can people oh, literally uh, latitude you? and longitude? No problem. Yeah, thank uh, you. I, I mean, good luck. Even if you find out where I am, I'm always on the move. I'm off the, I'm off the grid. Good luck. I am at Jordan Adika, A D I K A, on everything. Just one word. Come, come, follow me on a platform, and then send me a DM and say. Wow, you did a really good job, and Tony should give you the show, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. Yeah, far away. Gim. Gimme. Or as we say in my hometown, Giz. Well, thanks, Jordan, and congrats on inheriting this podcast. This has no, been I'm great. Ex I'm excited. I think I'm going to wrap. I don't think I'm going to do any more episodes, but thank you for the show. So thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you follow Jordan Adika online and in person. And head to Game Plan A by Adidas at GamePlan-A.com to read a little more about my story and this show. Feel free to subscribe, and until the next one, stay good.